This episode is not sponsored, but we encourage you to help support the small businesses, charities and organisations that we mention. Hi everyone, welcome back to Our Circle. I'm Jess. I'm Rhiannon. And today we have got entering our circle an editor and radio and event producer at Jazz FM and also a freelance artist, Claire Omni. Hello. Hi there. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Wow. For our our visual listeners, um, Claire is surrounded by beautiful artwork, so enjoy that. <laughs> it's gorgeous. <laughs> I want a bit OTT, I'm sorry. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. Show this off. Gosh, it looks stunning. <laughs> so, Claire, can you start off by telling us a bit more about um, your job and how you got into it? So how did you become a radio and event producer? Well, I started, when did I start at Jazz FM? Full-time, I've been working there for about, it's coming up to four years, four years oh, wow. this summer. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And I interned on and off for a couple of years before that whilst I was at uni. So I think I realised fairly early on, it was when I was about 16, that I thought, let's see if I can give radio a go. You know, when you're at secondary school and like, what do you want to do? And you go through GCSEs. And I really couldn't think about very much apart from the fact that I loved listening to the radio. Always been into music. And as my music taste was changing, my radio station taste started to change mm. and so it went wow. from you know like it went from like capital to radio one to what was then xfm and then i got into six music and i've just stayed with six ever since um and so that's where the initial idea came from i mm. then went to uni to study radio production which most people don't know you can study and i didn't know you could study it either there's a very small amount of courses in the uk mm. and where you can study radio and that's what i went and did i got an internship through an alumnus person is that the right word alumnus yeah yeah, that's handy isn't it (laughs) yeah yeah so it was is the kind of cliche of it you do you know having your contacts is really really helpful and important but also you know grabbing the opportunity when it comes to you so my first internship with jazz was at love supreme festival they wanted someone to work the event and do the radio side and those like my two passions Mm, and first what does that mean then what does that mean like working the event does that mean that you're working in like a in a reporting kind of way on a radio or what does that mean well in that in that sense I mean actually event because at that point Jazz FM owned a stake of Love Supreme so they were doing the broadcasting from the festival but they were also running part of the event with the company who run it now so I did I think I mainly did artist liaison um that that weekend so as a I think I was like 18 or 19 no 19 at the time going on a festival site and working I had my lanyards and had my crew wristbands and to be fair I still find that really really exciting (laughs) and that'll never that'll never leave me I don't think because it's like my I just I love festival sites so much yeah Um, but that was my first job there and then I interned for a bit on and off whilst I was at uni I kept asking to come back and then I was really lucky that in my final year of uni, when I did my internship on the last on the last day of that internship, they said, well, when you finish your degree, do you want to come back and start full time? And so wow, that's what I did. They loved you. <laughs> it went it went very well. I feel very lucky. <laughs> Are you into jazz music? I wasn't. 
when okay. I well my, my my knowledge of jazz was very limited what I now know is limited like I think at the time I probably would have said yeah I know a bit about jazz music because you know about like Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald and, mm. and stuff but when I first started when I was interning one of my really wonderful friends Tim who's a, who worked at Jazz FM then he's a presenter now I asked him for some albums to listen to because I wanted to learn more and more because you know you're listening to the station every day but right. the daytime output of Jazz FM is quite different to like the specialist nighttime output and stuff so mm. I wanted to expand a little bit and I couldn't listen to it it was just, it was so chaotic in my brain. I, I can't, this is too much. And I found it really, really unsettling. Whereas now I listen to those same albums and I could have a nap. So <laughs> despite, it is just finding your ear with it. It sounds right. really snobby and I hate to say it, but that's the, my experience was that you just have to kind of unlock it almost. It. Yeah. And just, just unlock it, find, find what you like. I do believe that there is a type of jazz for everyone because it's so Definitely. broad it's like mm. it's just like an umbrella term for loads of different stuff mm. so I've I've really loved learning about it and the people I've got to meet and it has unlocked a load of different stuff for me in a world that I never would have imagined myself in Definitely. at all I think I I've um I've listened to jazz FM quite a lot and it was often in my kitchen <laughs> but I've noticed like throughout say if I had jazz FM on in the morning it's completely different to jazz FM in the evening it's such a different vibe and the different artists that you find through it, I found really really cool and you know interesting so I think it it makes a lot of sense that you were saying how if you're taking in one album to suddenly be like this doesn't make any sense or something or this is too much and then finding the right one for you I think it's really interesting yeah it's definitely that kind of journey there's still don't get me wrong there's still some stuff from like this a bit too much for me or I have to be I remember in a playlist meeting once I said that because we do it like um, it's not just our head of music that decides the playlist. We kind of all of us sort of pitch in and suggest stuff. And there was one track where I was like, I feel like I'd need a jazz warm up before I get to this one. It was like, okay. you need like a little taste of something. And then you Easy get win. to the, yeah, you need something to easy with. So there's like morning jazz, afternoon jazz, evening jazz, late night jazz. There's all different kinds. <laughs> so you said before that um, you've always been into music, but jazz wasn't your main one that you're into what were you into before then basically everything the kind of the way I describe the music that I'm into is pretty much anything but if it makes if it sounds to me like they need a hug then I struggle that's kind okay. of if it sounds really if it sounds really aggressive then I just because I don't tend to listen to the lyrics I just oh. it's not the way my brains work my okay. brain works so okay. I li it's how it sounds like if, if it's kind of, I think the foster the people track that came out years and years ago that talks about there's a guy who's like running around a supermarket with a gun or something but it sounds really really merry and it sounds so summery that's a really good example of what I mean like I'm not listening to the lyrics I'm listening to like um, the vibe of it yeah yeah so if 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 it's like I don't know like so grime for example I, I appreciate it for what it is but it's very it's 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 not very often that I find a grime track that really suits my mood and makes me feel like relaxed like I want to be with music whereas like but then again then I really like punk and hip-hop so it's kind of it's, I don't know it's such a mood thing it's such a mood driven thing but I will listen to quite a lot I listen to now I listen to a hell of a lot of pop music just because it make it's just nice it's like a form of escapism mm. Um, when before I started at Jazz FM, it was a lot of indie stuff, right? A bit of electronic stuff. But it was it was a lot. 
It was a lot more chill. I was going to say, because I've known you for a a number of years, obviously we went to the same school and whenever I saw things that you were sort of posting online or stuff, you very much gave off an indie vibe. So when I found out that you're working for Jazz FM, I thought, oh, this is interesting. This is a bit of a different turn here. Yeah, a bit of a switch. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So how come it was Jazz FM? Was that just because it was the the first sort of uh, internship that you could get or was it something that was actually on your mind, like to work for Jazz FM? Like, were there other stations that you would have to work for? <laughs> I <laughs> love was, the honesty. <laughs> it was because I was an intern. No, there was. That's the thing with the radio industry; it's so small. So it's any any gig you can get <laughs> when you're starting out is what you go for. And so I was very lucky to fall in to this position where it's a very small company. Because in my mind, I always wanted to work for the BBC. That was I was like the BBC. That's what I want, like Radio One or Six Music or something that was a lot bigger. I wanted to be in like a really big company, and then I started to go for Jazz FM, and they we were independent at the time, so it was us in our own little bubble in this basement that's very near Oxford Street, and it was just us. Whereas now, a couple of years ago, we got bought by a company called Bauer, who are the company that own Kiss, Absolute, Planet Rock, Magic, Kerrang. <laughs> And all of these other stations. Yeah. And so now I belong to this huge company and we're doing our thing within this, what can sometimes be quite a corporate kind of environment, which is such a different switch. Do and you so like that? I, don't, I do, I do like it. I do like it a lot. It suits me. Both, both, both ways suit me, but in terms of, I think, career, it's been great because before I didn't really know that many people who did what I do and especially women actually especially women because at the time when we were working for Jazz FM I was like the only woman in the production team so to move over Mm -hmm. to Bauer and meet all of these other women who were doing they were producing which Mm -hmm. and so to get to know them was really great um so to answer your question no wasn't always Jazz FM (laughs) it's just kind (laughs) of fallen into that way and you know you make you make the best out of everything that yeah Can you can you sort of um, explain to our listeners then what your role actually like is like what a typical day could look like for you or a week if if you like? So as a producer, I do a variety of things. I have certain presenters who I look after across the week. Some of those are I'm working on shows with them and building and suggesting music and arranging interviews. Um, sometimes doing interviews if they can't do them, and actually physically not physically or <laughs> building the show on the computer on the laptop um and getting it all set for broadcast so there are some programs and some presenters where I do like a lot then other pre- other presenters on Jazz FM very self-sufficient they know exactly what they're doing and all I need to do is make sure a few boxes are ticked to make sure it all looks okay in our play out system before it goes out and that and that's cool so that's like the main sort of production side of like our weekly schedule mm-hmm. and then for the more events side of things which I started doing when I was an intern but then I, I started to get more and more involved with the Jazz FM Awards and I became the event manager for that and then now I'm the producer and so the manager you know you're looking after every start every bit of the event like all the logistics you're managing all the different teams and making sure that it's going to run smoothly and you have a backup for everything and everything is planned and everything's going to be good basically. Whereas the producer, now it's the more um, creative decisions, like what the show looks like, what people see like on socials and just how everything looks and sounds and how it all kind of weaves together. 
that's the event side of things. Is there anything else? You're busy. Yeah, I was just thinking how accomplished are you as well? Like you're so young and the fact that you're managing all these things, you're leading all of these things and, and sort of taking charge on stuff that sounds like hasn't really been done in that area yet. So this is incredible. Thank and you're you. a woman. Yes. Yes, we <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, I think... You. Thank you. Thank you. I think that is that is one of the reasons why I was really grateful that I ended up starting out within an independent company because you don't have to stay in your lane of what your role is. Mm. You, can, you can talk to different people. You can start to go, oh, can I can I help out with that? Or can I sit in on that? And so it means you get to learn a lot more mm. quickly, I think, from my experience anyway. And you just, yeah, it just, it gets, I, fe- I feel like there's a bit more speed speaking to it you said that it's such a small industry but at the same time I'm assuming there's probably a lot of people because obviously you know people enjoy radio is it competitive to get into like to find roles like yours or or just in the radio industry itself is it competitive massively really really competitive and especially when there there are certain things like you know especially in the commercial side of things as well this is probably a little bit of a cheeky question actually but is there a lot of money involved like in in radio like as in as a employee like is it something that you can put no. money on no <laughs> I mean, there's there's a long running joke which is what is it how to how to make a million how to make a million pounds through a radio station you start with two or something like that and so basically you're just gonna lose money um but yeah it depends like you know when when the BBC like release their figures about how much people are paid like of course you have all the presenters like you know your Greg Mm. James's and all those kind of things they're the people that are going to be on the higher salaries and I don't know how it how it works in the BBC I've only ever worked in commercial um but it's yeah it's not the greatest paid job you will ever ever get but it, you kind of have to you have to weigh it up like it should be for the amount that you're doing that <laughs> sounds like a lot like, do, do, without respecting presenters do they do more or less than what you do if you're allowed to answer that <laughs> well it's completely like I couldn't do what they do it's it's such a skill okay. when you when you see a presenter in the studio doing particularly for me live radio scares me Mm. And I, everything I do is pre-recorded, and if I ever have to do anything live, which is very rarely, I, f- I just oh god, I freak out. My, <laughs> I had to. My heart would go. I had to study it at uni, so I did a media arts degree. So we covered all of like production, whether it was radio, TV, everything, and <laughs> radio and. Well, ironically, we did podcasts and it didn't appeal to me at the time, but obviously Here we <laughs> are. Now, yeah, but I mean, we, we're in control of this. Whereas, like you said, radio and live TV, I sucked at. I just didn't. It, it's hard. It's really hard, especially when you're like having to meant to speak something like three words a second or something, but not any more, any less. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that was a rule. That's good. Yeah. I've learned something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is so it when- like slightly delayed? radio is it like delayed by like 10 seconds or something just in case something said or to beep (laughs) yeah not for us no no I mean it'll be it'll be delayed in the sense that by the time you said it it's gonna by the time someone actually hears it it's gonna be delayed it's not like an intentional delay yeah it's not like it's not like telly with that or ours isn't 
anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a particular demographic at Jazz FM? Is it a slightly, I don't know, in my head for some reason, I thought maybe a slightly older audience or is it a real mix? I think our age range is really quite large. It's like 25 up to people in their 60s, I okay. think, and 70s. We are, I know that we're male dominant. That I know. I think it's just skewed. I think it's it's near it's near 50-50, but we are a bit more male don- dominant. And I think that's the thing, like when when people think of jazz as well, especially in this country, or when certain people think of jazz, they will think of like a kind of like old man thing. Mm, that is a preconception. Yeah. Whereas what I'm learning and what I've learned, what I've loved to learn, especially in the last few years, is how it's just not true <laughs> it's just not true I mean there, there is a truth to it there is a like a historic truth to it that it was mainly like older white guys who were going to see jazz gigs and whatever but the roots of jazz and the history of jazz and the genre itself mm, it's, it's not that no it's definitely not that <laughs> not all white men <laughs> no no it's it's black music that's yeah. what it is that's where the heritage is that's where the history is and that that is something that hasn't it, it it it's flipped somewhere and it's kind of stayed that way but then what's happening in my time at Jazz FM I came in at a very exciting time where the scene was starting to change a little bit especially in London this younger crowd were coming through mm. and they're doing all this amazing amazing stuff and that's more genreless they don't care about yes. genre as much and every, all of these different stuff is coming on. And then you started to, a couple of years ago, we started to see all these younger jazz jazz artists mm. who were coming up on festival lineups. And there were more and more of them who were, that, who were starting to play festivals across the summer. And then you have bands like Ezra Collective who were on the West Holt stage at Glastonbury, the last Glastonbury when it was really, really hot. I say that like I was there. I wasn't. I watched on the telly. <laughs> but you had, I think you had Swindle and then you had Ezra Collective. And these are artists that are in, including, well, they're either including jazz or like Afrobeat, but then they're starting to add a bit of grime or disco and stuff mm. like that. So it's, it's so exciting and it's rooted in, in in the heritage mm. but they're forming it and they're mixing it with all of this exciting stuff which is more popular culture right so it's it's such a different it's such a mix of what's going on it's really it's personal it's a very personal music and you can mm. feel the energy of people especially when you I mean jazz vocalists I think you probably people probably know a little bit more about what well, I did anyway but it's when you see an instrumentalist truly in their element my god it's just incredible it's so moving I think. yeah definitely I, I've, I find I've loved jazz music for my whole life um but as you said that like, when you get older you start to learn about more sub-genres inside it and it's just incredible some of the people that you get and some just the whole talent the musicianship behind everything I just think it's incredible and, and I'm glad to know that it is one leveling out in the gender I guess and I like that it's sort of spreading a bit more in age too because I think it, it is something that everyone can like you said it's personal everyone can find something that they like mm. in jazz in my opinion anyway um yeah, so I wanted to touch actually on something that you'd sort of said sort of rooting back to things to do with how jazz uh originates from black people um and forgive me if I'm getting this completely wrong but I've seen on your Instagram that you have a section on your highlights called Jazz FM Voices and 
from what I had seen, a lot of it was related to black artists. Can we, I just ask about that project that, you, you're, that you're leading? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Jazz of Voices is a fairly new venture for us. It's something that we created around nine months ago. So around the time last year when George Floyd was murdered and the marches were happening across the world, it was it was something that made me and also the station as or a, a lot of our station um, look at what we were doing and what we weren't doing and how we could be more representative of our you know our history <laughs> our history the people that whose music we play and how we could do better basically I think you know lots of people were asking themselves that question around that yeah. time mm -hmm. and so we had a lot of conversations I had lots of conversations with uh, my boss and my team about how we were feeling and what what we recognized in our own behavior and our platform basically you know because we've got this national platform so what what can we do to use it essentially is what we were talking about mm -hmm. and we have a, a, a lot of presenters who are incredibly passionate and they're very outspoken and I love them for that because it's it moves us forward and so back in yeah end of end of summer last year we decided to create this thing called Jazz FM Voices which was which has now basically turned into a platform that is mainly a one-hour radio show every, show every week but also a monthly mix and article online that my goal is just to get as many new people on Strats FM as possible and be representative in terms of story, race, community, gender, every, like as representative as I can be um, through our broadcast and through our content, all focusing on either identity, community and education is a really important thing as well. So actually just touching on what you said about the um, how jazz is maybe starting to have a little bit more gender balance. In some ways that's true, but we actually did a programme a few weeks ago now around International Women's Day called Women in Music. Mm -hmm. And we highlighted actually just how still, how unbalanced it actually is and the way that mm -hmm. women are still, I mean... <sighs> you know the news of the last couple of weeks like it's 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 a it's a topic at the moment for sure and we yeah. just so happened to be releasing this at that time and we spoke about how there's still a lot of women are still experiencing they feel like they they're not progressing in their jobs because they're women they feel like they're being you know undermined or mistreated because they're women or in some cases sexual harassment as well and it's still happening and we had some really wonderful women who came onto the program and talked about all of their experiences and what they hope to happen and how we'd like to proceed. And there's so many incredible women who are doing different jobs, all different kinds of jobs across the industry. And we were just talking about how we look forward to the day where we have more power because we genuinely feel like it will help. It's like every, everything. Yeah. I think it's the, it's the kind of, it's the same thing that people talk about when it comes to, um equality in terms of race as well like you know when we when one of us rises we all rise and so that's just what we're talking about and this it's it's definitely quite a liberal platform I guess and it's very much a lot of my a lot of me is in there but I'm I getting I'm getting mm. to work with so many new different um different people with wonderful views beautiful music taste my goodness I've learned even more about music <laughs> in the last nine months as well 
and it's something that I'm really happy to continue with for the rest of the year we've got some exciting stuff coming up what a fantastic project like to to lead what how can people um listen to this um, it's on every Saturday night, 9 to 10 on Jazz FM, or it's available on Catch Up forever. Go to the Jazz FM <laughs> website. There's a little, <laughs> there's a little um, uh, Jazz FM Voices button at the top of the website, oh, and there's a hub on there which has oh, I everything. can't wait. I'm going to binge listening to these. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you some links for stuff that I think you'll like. Oh, oh, thank you very You much. may like all of it. But I, I, I will. probably will. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so Claire, how has your job changed in the past year? I mean, obviously everyone's had quite a difficult year, but how has yours in particular changed? Well, I haven't been in the studio for a year now. <laughs> that's wow. a, <laughs> that's oh. a big thing. Um, so we're able, we're, a lot of a lot of our um, content was pre-recorded anyways, but we were able to pretty quickly, as as a whole company, actually, we were re- we very quickly were able to switch to working from home and there are a lot of a lot of like uh sort of you know teething issues and stuff but we did get there and you wouldn't unless unless you were listening to a presenter tell you oh I'm recording under my duvet um because that's how to, <laughs> that's how to get like honestly put a thick blanket over you or your duvet that's how loads of presenters <laughs> were presenting for the first part of lockdown before they were wow. able to get like either how you know, hot would they have been <laughs> so hot so hot <laughs> you don't even know like and I had to do it to a, to a presenter who's um for Jazz and Voices a couple of weeks ago there was a presenter who because they change every week so I'm working with different people who aren't regular presenters on Jazz FM and so we're doing like different tech testings each week and I was like I need you to find like a thicker blanket or something and she was like all I've got is a coat so she recorded the whole show like this under a coat and it wow. was doing our podcast like under our duvet <laughs> honestly i'm currently surrounded by loads of pillows <laughs> because <laughs> i was like i need to figure out how to soundproof a little bit more um because i'm in quite an empty room um so yeah so how we had switched to <laughs> recording everything from home mm. um and it was because we have the people behind the scenes of even what we do to mm. get the tech to a position where we could do that mm. and it's it was a big 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 job big job yeah. but luckily you know I work with so many musicians so they've got mic setups at home and that's been that's, that's been crazy. a much easier thing but definitely quality in some in some cases has been a little bit uh less than we would have liked <laughs> if we were yeah. working in the studio do you think that um the studio is necessary then so much like if you found that you're able to function without it does it is that something that you feel like you don't need so heavily to rely on or is it like no we're ready to be back in the studio personally I'm cool without a studio it completely depends there are some programs which need them more complex programs like for example like a breakfast a breakfast show where they've got multiple presenters they've got news readers they have guests coming in and out okay. they'll have a producer and maybe another producer and like a research team or whatever those are the programs that rely more heavily on a studio setup right so that is quite important for me whereas most of my programs are pre-recorded all, all of my presenters have home setups where they can sit with a mic like this and just record and it sounds completely fine um that is when it's not it's not as needed so actually we're we are not going to go back to working in the office the same way that we did before lockdown so most Ooh. of us are going to be working from home I'm definitely going to be working from home for the foreseeable um and 
I'll go to a studio when I really, really need it. That's quite handy, I think. And I think that's quite smart. I think for a lot of companies as well who are experiencing that when they're recognizing they don't need to send their employees in and make them travel, you know, they can save money, can't they? And you can save money, I suppose, with studio time. So mm. I think that's that's very positive. What about in your, um, if you don't mind asking uh, us asking your personal life, how have you found the pandemic? For the most part, all right. It's, yeah. it's been it's been all right. I'm I think I've I've been incredibly fortunate that I still live at home with my mum and dad. So I had the space. Right. I don't have, you know, um rent rent contracts and everything that I had to have to rely on. And so very early on in the pandemic, a load of people from my company got furloughed. And so they they asked for volunteers and I was like, you know what, I'm in the position where I probably could. So I I was on furlough for two and a half months at the start of the lockdown. And that's when all of this started to happen so mm. I feel very fortunate that I was presented with that opportunity basically I got like a taste of retirement at 24 um, <laughs> so it was, it was and it and it did <laughs> it also did help it helped with my mental health and it helped with my job because the, my creativity was able to was able to get better um but you know mental health was a massive struggle I think, you know, just the being quite secluded mm. and it's the same with everyone. It, it's not the way that we have been living isn't natural. It's not natural to not mm. see people. It's not natural to be at home all the time. And I think so. I've, I've struggled with depression and anxiety since I was about 13. So it's been a bit, really big chunk of my life. Right. And to then basically have the excuse to not go out. That was the hard thing because. Right. Okay you're you're basically you're basically saying to yourself oh no but I don't need to go out because no one is so you're not pushing yourself to like go for that walk or pop to the shops right. and you know you're getting more takeaways or like all of this kind of stuff so the the healthy living was harder and obviously that's something that really contributes to poor mental health so if you're not right. looking after mm-hmm. yourself and stuff that's really mm-hmm. hard to maintain so in that respect it's been quite tricky there have been some very very low moments over the winter particularly but now the sun's coming back that's a wonderful <laughs> thing and that's going to yeah. help <laughs> massively yeah. for sure so Claire I wanted to say that I was a bit surprised when you said that you were quite happy to be at home and that you'll be working from home for the foreseeable because you were saying sort of that it was unnatural for us to all be isolated and I wondered whether you know you sort of relied on that social interaction at work and whether that was something you really enjoyed and and sort of thrived off so is that something you think you might have like got used to now or sort of built um almost like more resilience to or do you still find that you're getting that social interaction being at home I think it's it's just a balance isn't it like I didn't realize how much it was taking out of me commuting into London every day. So it was, I must have been traveling two, two and a half hours a day, I think, to get into my office, wow. which is in central London. And yeah. um, obviously doing rush hour on the trains mm. and the tube and stuff. And to then go into an office, which is very full, very full of people, lots of really big personalities and was quite demanding in a lot of ways. And even though being at home also has its struggles when it comes to you know you're not you're not seeing as many people there aren't the hugs we had a lot of hugs in that office we were a very huggy bunch and it was really lovely it was really lovely but it was a lot it was a lot there were some days where I just really really didn't want to go into work 
I didn't want to go into the office. There were a lot of tears at the office. There were some panic attacks at the office. There were a lot of, a lot of things and how it was, it was wonderful in so many, so many ways. And it's not a reflection on the people that I work with because I love them very, very dearly, but it's just, it's, it's an intense environment. It's a very intense environment. So when I started to have that time back in the mornings and the evenings where I wasn't commuting, I wasn't traveling, that started to help. Yeah, that started to help. That was a real game changer. And then I was able to start, you know, taking a few more walks or spending more time in the garden with my mom or, you know, or painting. Like, so then it started to balance out a lot better. So even though I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy to <laughs> carry on working from home in a lockdown situation. But when the world does start to open up again, right, and you're able to then go and you know see your friends, and you can go and get that social interaction when you need it. That for me will be a lot better. Right, that makes a I lot think, of sense. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I think a lot of people probably feel the same way that lock, lock working from home is fine when lockdown isn't present. <laughs> um, but talking about some of the things that have come out of lockdown is your incredible painting. I had no idea that this started from lockdown. I, I wanted to ask, have you always been creative? Like with art, did you do this pre previously or is it something that you literally have just learned? The last time I did art pretty continuously was at our school when I did GCSE. That was basically, that was basically it. I've always been creative. I've always loved to paint, but it was never a practice. So my, my granny, she painted and she was beautiful. She did uh, lots of oil paintings and portraiture, which I cannot do. It's not something that has been passed down. <laughs> my mum can paint. She doesn't practice, but she can do it. So this just gave me the time to practice and find the real release that mm. I get from it so that was a good contributor to um mental health as Definitely. well but what so what did you just one day you're like I'm gonna paint today is, is that literally what happened or like because mm. things that you've been creating are just absolutely stunning they're so they're a real mix for anyone who isn't um watching on the YouTube thing they're just listening audibly the the paintings that Claire does is very vibrant colors quite a lot of abstract art as well but oh like I'm just looking at it like oh I, I absolutely love it. I'm such a fan of your artwork I love it and how do you even like oh, sorry I'm getting carried away <laughs> some of the some of the things that as well that you post on your Instagram or on Facebook or whatever as well as um time-lapse videos I don't even know how to do that when I'm painting so I'm like oh that's too many elements like it's it's enough to like be painted how on earth do you do this Sorry, that's a lot of questions, but... <laughs> I'll go back to the first one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> when did it start? <laughs> I think it was just, oh, I'm going to paint. I think it was around the time. So Noel Fielding did Noel's Art Club in the first lockdown. Okay. okay. And we started to, I think I'd done a few days before that point. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. This is nice. I like this. Mm. And then Noel started his art club. And then a few of us started to come onto Zoom every week. And we didn't even really talk that much. It was a COVID-free zone. I didn't want to talk about COVID. So I was like, guys, we're not going to talk about COVID. We're just going to sit down and paint and just ask how each other are and just have a bit of a laugh or not talk at all. 
we just sit down and create and in whatever in whatever you have available like I you know not everyone has as many paints and stuff as <laughs> I have around so sometimes it was just pencils and paper um but we started to do that every week so every Saturday afternoon we were sitting down with a new theme that Noel Fielding gave us That's and we so would lovely. create some stuff yeah it was really really lovely I think the most people we had um one week was like I think we had about 13 of us or 14 of us all on zoom just, wow. just doing yeah all to this one theme and that was really really lovely and yeah it just it became part of my routine when I was on furlough mm. every morning I would go out for a walk and I'd come back and I'd paint in the afternoon because the weather was really lovely in that first lockdown mm. wasn't it so yeah. I'd just paint so, in the garden so what, what's your inspiration like do you have like a certain theme of things that you paint and do you listen to music while you paint as well mm. yes I do music has a big part big influence mm. so it also depends what mood I'm in. It massively depends. Sometimes mm. I paint because I need to get something out and it's just, it's a good way for me to just sit down, not talk to anyone, <laughs> block out the world and just ha- get some kind of release. Mm. Um, in other On other days, I, you know, let's have the radio on or an album that I wanted to listen to and it just kind of comes into it or there's um there's a piece that I did which I haven't posted yet because it's been confidential up until it's oh. in a couple of weeks it's going to be released but um an artist a musician approached me who I'd met once previously to lockdown um and he said my new single's coming out and I, I was wondering if you could paint your interpretation of it so wow. he sent me his track and I listened to it on a loop for about five hours <laughs> and I painted this piece which will be released very soon it's going to be the single of his art um the artwork for his single as well that's so exciting congratulations thank you it was a really it was a really wonderful project and it's what freed up the way more vibrant abstract stuff okay that came from that painting because it freed up my brain in another way that I had I hadn't done that before so there are a few things that I've done across the last year that have pushed me in terms of creativity and have just what, sort of your changed the way that you think. Definitely um, developed. Like, and mm. I, I don't mean that as in, oh, she's got much better now. I, I don't mean evolved. It like that. Yeah, it's changed because the the stuff that I remember you originally posting were um, like plants, like leaves, and and things like that. And it was beautiful, beautiful pieces, but they weren't abstract at all. I, in my opinion, they were just they were they were what they were, and it was great. And then you started doing a little bit more. Um, almost like Picasso sort of stuff or a bit more you know like abstract and I was like oh okay where's this going and then the piece that's behind <laughs> you is one of my favorite things the one on um uh your the, yeah that one. <laughs> the, this one I love this because it's so abstract but when you look at the close-up of it if you look on um Claire's Instagram um it, it's just stunning all of the little uh brush strokes and everything I just think it's beautiful I absolutely there's a, love there's it. a bit of brush I've just noticed there's a bit of brush <laughs> in it there you go you don't have brush strokes you've got the actual material <laughs> Claire were you were you nervous so going back to the um artwork that you've done for this artist were you mm-hmm. nervous to show what your interpretation was to the <laughs> yes. artist yes. I thought this was <laughs> yes I really was and especially because the concept of the album it, it, he he started the album 
because his wife miscarried it's a very very personal project and it's also his first jazz venture so he was he's been an electronic producer before and this is his sort of like debut within this kind of world and so there are a lot of different elements I was like I'm sorry please like it (laughs) (laughs) it please like it because it was it's unlike anything I'd ever done it was very moody as well it's not vibrant like the other ones that I've done it's very moody because it's based on Ronnie Scott's and I don't know if either of you have ever been to Ronnie Scott's but it's a deep red the whole the Whoa. venue is a deep red I mean and by the time this episode comes out this should have your work should be released so you feel free to talk about what it looks like because by the time this episode comes out I'm sure that the album or the the single will be out it probably will be well it's fine I'll talk about it anyway <laughs> Um, so the, yeah the piece has this these deep reds it's very very moody and it's actually based on a live experience not that I've seen but the one I was imagining in my head whilst I was listening to the track over and over and over again because so it's like a three and a half minute track and I listened to it for about five or six hours so it was many 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 times and each time I would tune in to the different instruments that were there so you know it might mm. be the horns or the drums or the keys Miguel on the guitar and the piece it has the central point of lights which I imagined was the stage and then from there you have all of the different musical energies coming out of it kind of like a big beam of light Mm -hmm. and there are all these different patterns and colors coming out of it and I imagine Mm -hmm. that was the live experience filling Ronnie Scott's as a venue wow yeah. I can't wow. wait. I can't wait to see it. it. Yeah. yeah. I'll send I'll send it to you. <laughs> I'll give you a sneak preview. <laughs> very much. We're very honored. But um how, how did they react then when they saw it? Oh, he loved it. <laughs> he really loved oh. it. And he's told he, he's very sweet and he told he's told me quite a few times since then that he loves it as well. And mm-hmm. um we because we we've been working together, he actually he did a program for Jasmine Voices a couple of weeks ago. And so you can go check that out. It's Jasmine Voices, Global Connection with Miguel Music. Oh. And his I got to then get to know him. He got to know me through my painting. And then he I then got to know him through his music today. So it's been a really lovely creative relationship. Yeah. And one we've only yeah, we've met two times and maybe five minutes max <laughs> across oh, those two lovely. times. Good connection. So yeah, so we've really got to know each other. And we're both very open in terms of like how we're feeling creatively and stuff as well so that's been really important Mm, definitely I wanted to ask what type of medium do you work in because I wasn't actually sure is it acrylic is it oil what what's your preference I started off so at the very beginning of lockdown I started with this new set of paints called gouache paints it's it's a really hard word to say and I'm not entirely it's either gouache or gouache I think it's gouache and uh, it's spelt g-o-u a-C-H-E I don't know it's one of those I put it on it I go and I spell it on my Instagram somewhere (laughs) so it started with that and that's a very different type of paint that allows you to it's it's like a mix it's like an in-between between between watercolor and acrylic it's like an acrylic you can water down but it doesn't lose any of its vibrancy and I'd asked for this new set of paints which I'd got for the Christmas before from my auntie because I'd seen this artist on Instagram painting these beautiful beautiful plants with this type of paint I was like well I want to try that and I fell in love with it and that's actually what started all of the painting again and then I went to revisit acrylics 
Um, and that's the abstract stuff is done in acrylics because I use a lot more paint and gouache is actually more expensive. And okay. even though it, it, it goes quite far on a canvas, it doesn't work. It doesn't layer as well. Like right. acrylic, you can just go over it and it's yeah. fine. Gouache, you can't do that. So the abstract stuff is more in acrylic and then the more illustrative illustrative commercial yep. stuff <laughs> that is done in gouache amazing that's so cool oh I've loved hearing about this um <laughs> I just wanted to sort of uh end our final question of asking you what we ask all of our guests which is what makes up your circle because I feel like you're made up of so many different elements so what makes up your circle lots of different creative open people that's and, and music and that all flows that all flows together it's this beautiful kind of mix <laughs> in the middle but yeah I'm very very fortunate to have to have found some really really wonderful people who truly do inspire me and they just when you find when you find people that just let you be yourself and embrace it that's that's when the good stuff comes and mm. I think that's that's what my circle is there you go I love that that's a lovely <laughs> answer yeah so we like to dedicate every episode to a small business a charity or an organization and as you are a guest say we've asked uh, who you'd like to support so could you tell us about that please I would like to support slash dedicate slash say go check them out um <laughs> this organization called Casa Planta so they are an East London based sustainable houseplant seller houseplant store um and they are run by the most gorgeous woman called Maisie Brown and she knows so much about plants anything any questions I have about plants and I have a fair few to be fair and a lot of people come to me to ask questions about plants and I always go to her every single time because <laughs> she knows everything and um they 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 only deliver to people in London at the moment but they have the occasional time where they go oh we're going outside London anyone want plants and they do really quick delivery they're really reasonably reasonably priced and they come with all the tips and they're just it's her it's Maisie and then her partner Bruna and I think her mum Sally also helps out as well and they do wonderful wonderful things they also sell some artwork and some of my artwork is going to be on sale going to get some prints from Cataplanta very very soon how exciting yeah (laughs) all the plant stuff I've done very recently that is for Cataplanta and will be available prints quite soon amazing well we'd love to support them so if everyone can go and check out the links which will be in our description and on our instagram that would be amazing please go and follow claire so that you can find out everything about her art her amazing art um and her jazz fm career with uh, the segment on jazz fm voices definitely encourage everyone to go and check that out and yeah thank you so much for joining us today We've absolutely loved having you on here. (laughs) It's been wonderful. It's a lovely, lovely lunchtime treat. Oh, good. (laughs) So if everyone can please go and check out Claire and also check out our social medias, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channels to make sure to stream us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you on our next episode. Bye. Bye.